Welcome to Terrenis Hall podcast. This is uh, Winston Bosch, and I'm here with my colleague, Bill DeYoung. And this podcast is all about trying to make the Great Commission every Christian's passion, every church's mission. And so today we'd like to talk about this subject. If you're starting a new church, if you're planting a new congregation, one of the things that you want to do is you want to institute that church with elders. So in the Reformed tradition, we talk about the institution of a church, and you know we, we have elders there. Or in a Presbyterian world, you might talk about the particularization of a church where you know elders are, are become elders of a local congregation. How you go about doing that, and how long that takes, and who's involved in that is a big question. And it's a question that uh, is a practical one, but it's also one that you can think about perhaps a little bit creatively. And so today we have a special guest to help us think through that question, somebody who's involved with a church plant as an elder. We're going to be talking today to John Siebinga. So John's been a member for about 50 years of the the Canadian Reformed Churches. He's married uh, with six kids, and he has more grandchildren than the sands of the seashore and the stars in the sky. He's a a clinical counselor. He's a teacher. He's also a journeyman carpenter. And he's an elder at the Prince George Canadian Reformed Church, although that's not where where his membership sits. And so he's involved in an interesting uh, attempt to think through how do you have elders in a new church plant. So John, thanks so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. It's good to be with you. It's good to be talking about these kinds of things. I yeah, hope so, I can be helpful. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be great. So could you maybe give us right off the bat a little bit of a, a lay of the land? So Prince George Canary Reform Church, tell us a little bit where that is, how long it's been in existence, and then where you're a member and what your, you know, what other churches are involved in this question yeah. of how we can have elders in that in that church in Prince George. Okay, okay. Prince George Canary Reform Church is uh, the mission here is approximately oh four hours from Smithers, four and a half hours thereabouts from Smithers. We are further east, and Houston is about three and a half hours away. So, um, and then there's, so those are the two main churches that are close by. There's a couple of URCs as well in Smithers and that uh, we have contact with, but the majority are the, the main focus is Houston and Smithers, especially Smithers. Smithers is the sending church. They're the mother church. They're the ones that support us the most. And the fact that I'm here is, is quite a story because I ended up uh, I retired from teaching. I was a teacher at Houston Christian School. I retired. And at that time, my wife and I were seriously considering about, well, I've got these gifts as a counselor and as a teacher. Why don't I go to, like, we donate our time, volunteer our time to a place like Uganda, right? And then Pastor Tim came over. And uh, we were just talking. We were, we were known and, each and other. Pastor Tim is the pastor at, at Prince George, yeah, right? Sorry. Pastor Tim is the pastor here in Prince George. And we were just talking about the work here in Prince George. And he was telling about how much work there was. And after he left, I said to my wife, well, this is a couple of weeks later. We said, you know, why are we thinking Uganda when we can go to Prince George? And so we, we decided that at that time, this is, this is going back. Three years ago, this right this time in February, we we wrote a letter to, to Pastor Tim, and we suggested that we donate our time, volunteer our time in Prince George, and it has evolved from that. Um, 
So, so, so at that at that time, when you were thinking about with your wife, hey, we're going to move to Prince George, help this new this new church plant. Were you thinking about doing that just in terms as you know, as your couple, as a retired couple, or were you also thinking about doing that in terms of as an elder? <laughs> oh, good question. Back in those days, we were looking at just being a support here, and what can we do to help support the the whole work. So I've done a lot of kinds of little construction things in the building. And then we've done a whole lot of things outside. My wife often goes, in fact, right now, as I speak, she's going door to door in the neighborhood with another member of the church, bringing, we have a pamphlet. She brings them to these, uh, the doors and she tells the gospel to these people. That's kind of what we do here. And it's, so, so anyway. John, did you, did you relocate then to Prince George from Houston? And if you, uh, if you did, when did that happen in this process? That's a really good question. No, we did not relocate. We spent two weeks, the very first two weeks of the month in Prince George. And then the final two weeks we are in Houston. There's a, a we are really divided and Thankfully, what happened is, is that the Smithers Home Mission Board, when they got wind of us coming here for those two weeks and we're volunteering our time, they said, well, in that case, we will rent an apartment for you here in Prince George. And so that's how we live here. And then every two weeks we go back home. Uh, we call that to a reach because then we just got, whew, that was busy. <laughs> okay, so, so, you, so you've got Prince George as a church uh, Pastor Tim is there called by Smithers. You're now there two weeks of the month living in an apartment rented by the Mission uh, mission Board of Smithers, volunteering right. your time, supporting the church plant. Now, now, you know, guide us toward this discussion that must have happened at some point in time about elders. Yeah, that happened about over, just over about a year ago this time. Pastor Tim came to me and he says, so how can we do this with an elder creating elders or you know, he says, I'd really like it if you were an elder here in Prince George. And so I says, but is there a precedent for that? Like, I'm a member of Houston. How can I be a member of Smithers? And uh, so the talk went on, how, how do we go about that? So what I did is I sent a, I, I had no idea. So I sent an, uh, an email off to Professor DeVisser and I says, Could, what, do, what do you say about this? And he sent me a, a really good informative email telling when you are in a situation like this, you have to be innovative and you got to kind of think outside the box. Maybe sometimes it's not the way it's normally done, but this is a, a special situation. And so we went with, and okay, he, can, can, can I pause you for a second sure. right there, John, because I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking about our listeners. I saw, you know, Bill's eyes lit up when you said innovative and out of the box is his favorite words in scripture <laughs> that are not found in scripture. Uh, but Let's just pull back just for a second before you keep on going with the story. And then maybe you, John, or you, Bill, just make some comments about why this whole question is so important. Like why, why the question of elders is so important as you're, as you're starting. Like why, why does this question even come up? The, the, the issue for me was because I was a member of Houston and not a member of Smithers, how can I be an elder in a Smithers church plant. And yeah, but, so, but my, my question is, is why did that whole subject of elders come up? So, you know, why did Pastor Tim want to talk to you about elders? Like, why is it so important to have elders in, in a new church? Ah, yes. Okay, when 
one of the issues that we talked about that fateful evening with uh, Pastor Tim when he came over was the fact that he preaches and he preaches and there's there's nothing happening here. There's so little people, so few people. And most lots of people come in and they're here for a few days or a few months, few mo- uh, years, and then they leave and go to other places. So we were talking like that. And so we thought if we came, we are kind of a stable couple and maybe we can encourage some growth that way. And God has incredibly blessed us, like way beyond what we thought. And so that's when last year he says, we're growing. Now we have to start thinking about elders. And so that, so that also came about. And then COVID, all this COVID stuff takes place as well. And so then Smithers is making decisions regarding COVID that affect Smithers Church. And, and Smithers Church, if you know, is a much larger church. It's like 500, 550 members. And when they make a decision there, it impacts here in Prince George. And some, sometimes it's, their decisions, are they don't resonate well with what happens here. And okay, so we've so that, got, that, we, we have to start that, working on this. That's really interesting. So you, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying the, the desire to say, hey, let's perhaps get John to be an elder is coming out of the fact that there's growth and, and perhaps a need for some more stable leadership or some, you know, some unique leadership, but also because it needs to be localized because you're being, you have a sending church that's far away that doesn't always know the day-to-day dynamics of what's happening, yes. and, you know, what the, what the tr- local church culture is. And so you need to have local leaders. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And part of the, the problem or probably part of the issue was that Pastor Tim was the only elder. And so there was a lot of weight on his shoulders for all these decisions. And so uh, that's how it kind of progressed into ordaining elders, which we did January the 9th. It's just not only me, there's two other elders and a deacon that have been ordained here and to assist Pastor Tim, but also to, to, to shepherd the flock here. So, yeah. You know, Winston and John, I can see the value of having elders in a church plant. Uh, Church planters are very much like missionaries, and they can function like lone rangers. I mean, it's really only missionaries who can administer the sacraments without elders. That is a special provision for missionaries that doesn't apply to ministers of the gospel. And so there's a bit of a distinction of the in the office there. But I can imagine for Pastor Tim, you know, a young pastor charged with a, a very daunting responsibility that he could use help in pastoral visitation, pastoral counsel, and more than that, that he could, he could uh, use a sounding board of uh, peers. You know, if he's got an idea, who's going to run this idea by? It, it, it doesn't make sense necessarily to run it by the elders and smithers because they are so distant, but to have people on the ground familiar with the situation that you can use as a sounding board, yeah. I imagine would, would be a, a huge boon to uh, Pastor Tim's ministry, especially given the fact that he's young. I mean, it's one thing if he were uh, you know, 60 years old or something like that yeah. with years of experience. <clears throat> um, but John, I got a follow-up question now. I, I'm so curious. So which 
church installed you as an elder? Where where are your credentials as an elder? Oh. You're a member in in Houston, but if if you were ever to be suspended from office or something like that, what a grim thought! Yeah. But who who would do that? And then secondly, where did the other elders come from? Are they local or are they also remote or somewhere between? Yeah. Okay. That's great. Well, first of all, I saw a question come up about how many members there are here. So that also ties into what you're asking. The the thing is, three years ago when we got here, we were running about 30 members. And a lot of them were students that come in to go to UNBC. And so they're here for eight months and then they're gone again. And they come back in the, in the fall. But since we sent out a brochure and th- that attracted three families. And then we also gained another family from down in, from Tawasin, the Tawasin, Vancouver area. So, which swelled our numbers to about 50. We're just hovering about 50. So now back to your other question. <laughs> How does this work? What if I had become... Uh, delinquent and uh, whatever, right? Who's going to suspend me? Smithers. And if you, I, I did read somewhere in, in one of these uh, documents that you sent out that I am on loan. <laughs> that, and that's a term that came from Dr. DeVisser uh, when he said, you can be loaned to Smithers to work in Prince George. And uh, so that's kind of, and that term, got carried over and it's now part of the minutes of the classes, uh, classes Pacific West. You'll okay, find so, it. Again. So, yeah, that, so make, make it really clear for us. Who's loaning you to who? Houston is loaning me to Smithers to work in Prince George. <laughs> it's just, it's that sounds That sounds wonderful. That's the way <laughs> it should be on the mission field. You know what? There is a precedent for this in this sense that seminary professors are often members of one congregation and have their creden- their ordination credentials in another. So yeah. I think, uh, you know, Jerry Vischer, for example, is a member of Cornerstone, but I believe his credentials are at Rehoboth Church in Waterdown. So that kind of distinction yeah. does apply elsewhere. I think the language of being on loan, that's characteristic of Presbyterian churches, OPC, PCA, okay. yeah. where, where, where you, you'll even have a, a, a gentleman who's ordained in one denomination on loan to another. And that's certainly not what's being done here. Yeah. But how about the the two other, was it two other elders that you mentioned? Yes. Were, are they local or are they also on loan? No, they are local. These are two two brothers that and their families that one of them has moved from Coldale to here and made uh, Prince George his home. The other one is, the other elder is a student at Westminster and he does it online. And he's, uh, we, uh, he's not going to be with us for too long, but he'll be with us for about another two years. And then he hopes to go to the theological college. So, and that's way, that's, that's how they, that's the other two elders. The other deacon that we have, he is local. He, he, he grew up in a completely different denomination and comes to kind of overwhelmed with the Reformed doctrines and quite excited about it. And so, yes, and he's local and he's, he works right here in Prince George. Can, can I ask a question, John? Why didn't you do it a different way? 
So why didn't you just become a member of Prince George and be be an elder at Prince George? Like, why be a member in Houston, loaned to Smithers, sent to send? Like, couldn't you have done it just in a simpler way? You know, right yeah. right now you're a member at Houston, but two months of the two weeks of the year you're in Prince George. You could have just flipped it around, be a member at Prince George, and two months, two weeks of the year or two weeks of the month be be elsewhere. Yeah. You oh, this this is a question we wrestle with all the time, and our time in Houston. Quite honestly, our time in Houston my, for my wife and myself is is coming to an end. There is going to be a day that we're going to have to sell our place in Houston and we're going to have to move. And so, but we love Houston. We really do. It's a beautiful place to live. We have a, a gorgeous house and we love living there. So it's hard. So you ask a hard question. It's hard to leave what we've got going there. And, but there's going to come a day we figure within the next year, two years. We're so, but but could, couldn't you just, for instance, couldn't you just indefinitely continue to live half your time in Houston, half in Prince George, but hold your church membership and be an elder at Prince George? Yeah. Uh, like I said, we love Houston. And so, we, <laughs> so, so when, you, when you say love Houston, you also love being part of the Houston church? That's right. We love being part of the Houston church and the community of Houston. We really love the okay. community uh, and that whole that and we just had our yearly home visit and our elder told us please don't leave us too soon we still need you here in Houston and so we really do we uh, Betty and I really feel we have a task yet to do in Houston so we still go there I'm still a clinical counselor and most of my work is in Houston when it comes to counseling so yeah I can I can appreciate that yeah. yeah. So, so presently there are three elders and you're the only one who is a member of Houston, but they all are elders of Smithers in some sense, right? Because yeah. Prince George technically in terms of church polity doesn't exist as an independent congregation um, because it hasn't been instituted yet. You do have multiple office bearers there now on the ground. So right. why not institute yeah. Or what, what, are, what are the what are the, the variables in leading the leadership to determine that now is not the right time? Or is- It's really, really a, a major discussion point. We often talk about it. It's just that at this time, our congregation is so young that we really need to have the 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 apron strings tied still a little bit to the, the mother church. We because we're so young as a, it, we, we have a, a congregation here of 50 members. And last year we had five babies baptized. Like we are so, it's so young, and, but it's so vibrant as well. And that's the beauty of, uh, of Prince George. It's so vibrant. Um, and that yeah. makes, yeah, go and, ahead. And, and John, I, I think you're really, you, you really, I mean, you may have three office bearers now or four office bearers, but you, you want the community to be large enough that if, you know, two of you were to retire or move away, others could be installed. So you, you want a pool of men, don't you, who yeah. could theoretically step up and because you don't want a scenario, okay, where you've got two elders and a deacon, you institute, and then the next year, uh, one one moves away or the other leaves or something like that, and then you have to deinstitute or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. I think you're right. You you really have to see that congregation grow, don't you? Yes, 
Yeah, and and the the part there about members leaving, the, the Betty and I will eventually move south to back to the Fraser Valley or somewhere down there. And Thomas, the other one of the other elders that's going on to the ministry, will eventually pick up stakes and move to Hamilton. So what we're doing, we're very conscious of this, and that is training the others to be elders. And so we're very conscious of this. And we're, 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 we've had in here for the last two years a group. We got together every six weeks. It was called the Men's Planning Group. And that was part of that training to be elders and in, in, Houston, in Prince George here. John, can I, uh, I'm thinking about listeners that who are like, hey, we're thinking about starting a church. And so this sounds like an interesting idea. Maybe we could spend a little bit of time teasing out some of the pros and cons of, of the arrangement that you're involved in as somebody whose membership is elsewhere and, and you're, you're an elder at Prince George. So my first question perhaps would be this, does this work because you're there two weeks of the uh, month and you're retired? Like, could, could this work if somebody was, you know, full-time employed elsewhere, but attended on Sundays or attended, you know, a Bible study or small group during the week? And could they still be sort of like this elder on loan? Or does it work particularly because you're retired and you and your wife are in the community for two weeks of the, two yeah. weeks of the month? You, you nailed it. We have time. Betty and I have time to work here. And because we're retired at I, I, I keep saying it's not retirement, it's reassignment. We just got a reassignment. And I love the reassignment. And so that's, that's why it works. It works really well. We're, when we are in Prince George, Betty and I are at the church from 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock every day. Like the church doors are open. And we are out. You know, the church is situated in a most remarkable place. And we own the church building, by the way. So we are on one of the busiest corners in Prince George, right next, and we share the parking lot with a Tim Horton Donuts. So we have traffic through here like you wouldn't believe. And so we are constantly talking to people. I put a, built a picnic table, I put it outside, and uh, people get their coffee from, from Tim Hortons, and they come and they sit at our, coffee ta- our picnic table, and that gives us a chance to talk to them again. And this so, just sounds like the know, most Canadian ministry ever. Well, you know, and, and the reason why Winston is so interested in this is because he wants Ottawa to loan him to Prince George two weeks out of every month. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had me at Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really is. I mean, I, I imagine it's a picturesque place. Maybe it's not. Is it, is it in the mountains? And uh, uh, maybe maybe. Okay, maybe silly a little bit about the geography, but beyond that, I'm more interested in the culture of Prince George. Uh, but you know, what's the main industry there? T- t- tell us something about the people there okay. that you're reaching out to. Yeah, Prince George is one of these cities. It's it's on the banks. It's at the junction or the confluence of the Fraser River and the Nechako River. The Nechako flows into. The Fraser here in Prince George, beautiful walks, beautiful, amazing walks. The main industry, I would say, is, is going to be pulp, pulp, and, and then also any of the other lumber industry, because trees are big here. And uh, so that's the hu- big thing here in this town. 
We have, like every city, we have a whole homeless group, and that is, and drugs and alcohol play a huge role in this city. And uh, it's like, like your uh, town there, Bill, the Hamilton downtown area. We have lots of, we have that kind of stuff here too. So, um, yeah, so we have all the same problems as most other places. It is incredibly picturesque in the, and in the winter, it's been kind of a funny winter this year, but uh, yeah, there's, it's, it's beautiful. Well, so, yeah, hey, hey. Winston, Winston wants to be alone there in the summertime, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> as, as much as Bill wants to turn this into like a travel log uh, podcast, I, I want to go back to the, the, the pros and cons of the, the whole arrangement that you've done in there. Yeah. So you think of somebody who's like, yeah, they're 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 starting a new church. They're, they want to have elders. They're like, oh, maybe we could have a you know elder on loan. Maybe that would work for us. Yeah. So first of all, tell us tell us why don't we start with the the weaknesses or the the cons? Like, what what can you think of in your situation that would be like, well, here's a weakness, or here's something that doesn't work quite as well, or here's something that I envision you know would be problematic. Yeah, the original vision for Prince George Church was that Pastor Jim Wittavine would come here. And he would reach out to, first of all, the, the indigenous people in the, in the community. And there's lots of them. The thing is, what happened uh, when he came, there was a whole group of disgruntled people in another reformed Presbyterian kind of background. And they were disgruntled. And when he came, he answered a lot of those questions. So the church went from more of a mission-oriented church into a more of a church plant. Since that time, so that's back in 2007, that it's just kind of evolved since then, it has evolved into more of a church plant. And so there's, the vision has somewhat changed. And uh, in that way, it, for anyone who's thinking of church plants or mission work or a mission post, you, you got to take that into consideration. It's going to evolve no matter what's happening. It depends on what God's doing in the community. And uh, that's, I think, the, uh, the long and short of it. What, does, what happens? What happens when you go into a community that's, and you've got an idea, and God changes it completely? Let me try to focus you then on, I'm interested in knowing what are the potential weaknesses of having you on loan as an elder? Okay. The two so weeks specifically of, the weaknesses, the possible weaknesses about loaning an elder. So if somebody else is like, hey, we're going to do this tomorrow, what yeah. would be your cautions? Or you'd be like, oh, but watch out for this. I haven't been a long enough elder here to really assess all of that. The, our biggest, my biggest issue is that we're not here full time. And so when we're gone, um, then uh, because we've got all the time in the world, we're here at the church. When we're gone, the church is normally closed and uh, not an awful lot happens at the church. But when we're here, it's busy. And so that's kind of a, a drawback. We should, it would really be good to be here all the time. In, in, in some ways, you're not just a, an elder on loan, but you're like a, a free part-time mission worker. You know, and, and then and then the drawback is, is that, yeah, when you're not there, the regular activities that you and your wife are involved in you know, don't happen. So we have these cards that we hand out to people. We are we are Christian outreach and support workers. There you go. That's 
That's uh, because we really are here to support Pastor Tim and his work that he's doing. And so, yeah. And so that's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Winston thought I was going in the the travel log direction, but I was actually (laughs) going to use that, Winston, to circle back because I I imagine one concern that you would have here, and I don't think this applies to you at all, John, is an, an elder on loan who's not really invested in the location where the church plant exists. Now it sounds to me like you are very invested. You're 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 I mean working essentially full time for two weeks. You're very familiar with uh, Prince George culture, with the particular challenges that people face there, the 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 demographics of the community. I suspect one danger would be to have an elder on loan who isn't invested, who, who maybe just shows up on, on Sunday or something like that. And I don't know that that would necessarily be, be healthy. Yeah. And that's a danger. And, and that's why it works for us because we're retired. We have the time and that you nailed a really good, something that's going to fall back, not be invested, invested in the, in the community itself. And the, one uh, people, become, I guess, like us being invested in this community, we get to know not only the church members, we get to know a whole lot of other people around the church as well. And we become, well, when we're back in Houston, we miss our community of Prince George. It is, we are a community. Like, it's, it's amazing what God has done here. And that's, for any listener, that's, I think, the biggest thing. Watch out for what God is doing. And I, I can't stress that enough. Watch what God is doing and get in on his game. Don't come with your own agenda, but get in on God's game. And he, he works miracles. He, he does amazing things. And that's what I see right here in Prince George. Amazing things happening. And it's it's God's game. Let's, let's just have fun in his, my, my sister calls it his sandbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's good encouragement. Um, John, you're, you've got somebody who says, Hey, we're, we, we've called up a, a pastor to start a new church in a new area. Yeah. And we're, we're hoping one day that we're going to be able to you know, have elders there and become their own church. You know, what kind of advice do you give them that you haven't already mentioned in okay. our conversation today? This is this is a conversation. You nailed one conversation that I had many times with Pastor Slaw when he was pastor in, in Smithers. I said, if you're going to send somebody as a missionary by himself to an unknown place like this, I think you've done him an incredible disservice especially if you are the sending church and you really genuinely believe what you're doing is right and the congregation believes that it's right, then this is what my proposal to him was. Take the whole membership of Smithers Canadian Reformed Church and pick five names out of that pot and say, you five people, you five families, have been appointed by Smithers Canadian Reformed Church to transplant yourself to Prince George and to assist the church there in getting going. And I say, 
because you cannot just dump a pastor and say, go for it. He needs support. And uh, so that's my suggestion to anybody who's listening. It needs, I, I, it needs that kind of, that it, it's, it's all or nothing. It's, you got to bite the bullet and get out there and do it. And the church, if it's going to be worth its salt, has to stand behind it in a very, very concerted effort. I'm getting well, excited. I, I better watch. Yeah, it. no, I'm into that. And and your advice is so biblical too. When you when you read the New Testament, read the book of Acts, you certainly get the idea that Paul was not traveling just by himself, starting churches, no. but that he was traveling in in a larger group. Some people yes. imagine that Paul perhaps traveled with 10, 20 people, and then he's certainly also quick to want to uh, appoint elders in the different places that churches have begun. So I think your your encouragement to say, hey, take a, a bit of a team and a group approach. Don't just throw some single person out there, but, you know, bring a, bring a bigger group. And then also be thinking about have, encouraging your missionary also with office bearers. Yeah. So, you know, you've got an elder here that can, you can bear the, bear the burden with you and help make decisions. And yeah, yeah that seems like wise, wise well, advice. Yeah. Well, here at Blessings, you know, we launched uh, Mercy Church, which hasn't been instituted yet. And this is in the same city. So it's a little bit different, right? It's not hours yeah. away, but, but, I agreed with you completely, John, that we're not going to call a church planter or an urban missionary and drop them off in a, in a neighborhood and say, okay, go build the church. So we talked about tithing part of our membership to mercy and, and we tithe some of our best. And it was a matter of, of encouraging some individuals with leadership abilities and so forth to say, Hey, look, we want you to consider relocating. They didn't have to move necessarily because we're in the same city, but relocating to another church to assist the church planter there. I agree with you completely. You need a core group if you're going to do this effectively or else it's, it's, it's going to languish and stutter. And there'll be, you know, moments where it seems like it's going well and people are coming and then people leave and there's controversy. You need a core group that's anchored for success in these Areas, I think. Quite thankfully, we sent out that brochure, and uh, there were three families: one from Coldale, one from Chilliwack, and one from Grimsby. And uh, they came. And then, since then, there was another couple that came from another family, actually, that came from uh, Vancouver. That gives stability to this congregation, and uh, we are very, very thankful for that. It also, this is the, one of the things for us, the bonus of having these families move in is that Betty and I are now in the process. We're actually processing this in our mind, how now we are being worked out of a job. And that's beautiful. That's what we want. That's what it's about. So yeah. Yeah, that that's great. Can I ask you one last question John? Uh, you know, our conversation together here. You know, we could do a we could do a whole other podcast talking oh, yeah. to you talking to you about the role of retired people in mission. That would be kind oh, of fun. Yeah. Uh, but what why don't you why don't you say a few words if we have some listeners who are retired or are approaching retirement and you said I think that it's not retirement it's reassignment. But some encouragement to people that are approaching retirement there's lots of pressure in the culture to say hey now fun you've got all your time to to golf or to you know to collect seashells or something. You know say some words to those who are approaching retirement or getting close to retirement and and how they might think of using their life for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Well, you nailed it. How can they use their life 
for the kingdom of God. And that's, that's, that's the exciting part. You never know where he's going to take you. But to, to really, honestly, think about that. Where does God want me to go in my retirement? Walter Wright, I don't know if you know of him. Walter Wright wrote a book about the, th- the last third of our life and how that should be worked out in our lives. And it's a very helpful book. And I think we need to, I think as retired people, we, we've got, we've got experiences, we've got time, we've got experiences, we've got time, and we've got some gifts that we can offer to those around us. And we should be doing that. Um, I, I, I'm, oh, I can't say it enough. If, as long as you, God gives you the health and the strength Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll to that. Thanks so much for having this conversation with us today, John. Yeah. We really, really appreciate you taking the time to do so. And we hope that people that are listening in on this conversation might be encouraged as they think about planting and starting new churches and installing elders there. Thanks so much for encouraging us to, to be on mission for the Lord. Yeah. Hey, it was yep. uh, good to be here. It's good to actually talk to you too. I hear lots about you guys. So uh, hey, thanks for letting me uh, come on your program. Thank you, John. Right. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Take care. Hey, Bill, this discussion with John, who's an elder on loan, raises questions about church polity, how we, how we govern the church and how that works in a mission context. You got any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I think John's situation illustrates something that's often true in church plant situations and on the mission field. And that is that we don't have a church polity that necessarily envisions church plants or mission work. And so what he is doing in Prince George is a bit of an anomaly in terms of our church polity, and yet it is something that's very good. And it's something that I would argue is also reformed, even though what they're doing is there, there's not codified in the church order. I mean, it's really unique just on the surface to be a member of one church an elder in another and serving in yet another place that that seems you know if you're uh, kind of a black and white uh, church order person this would this will yeah. give you a headache uh, although, although he he was clear that he's an elder at Prince George he's an elder at Prince George on you know on loan from Houston but under the supervision of Smithers so yeah you know, it's it's yeah the, the fact that we're we're discussing that just shows that it's yeah it's pretty nuanced and 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 peculiar. Yeah. Like if you sort of think the Canadian Farm Church Order, you don't say anything about that. The institution of a church has to happen with the approval of classes. But I, it did remind me of, of Article 45 in our church order talks about counselors. So when you have a vacant church, uh, the classes can appoint a counselor, a minister to that vacant church to the end that he might assist the consistory in maintaining good order and especially may lend his aid in the matter of calling a minister. He shall also sign the letter of call. So you, you do have this precedent of somebody who's not a member of that local congregation, who's been assigned the task of helping the consistory, even signing a, signing a call. He's sort of playing a pseudo elder role there, but is, is a counselor. So we've got that in our, in our church order. So you've got a little bit, of, little bit of precedent there. And then the motivation behind the whole project is like, hey, we want to see the gospel expand. We want to see Christ's church you know, planted there you know, in this, in this partic- with this particular congregation. And, and we want to have elder supervision. So you know, those are all such good, healthy motivations. So being creative and saying, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's do something different. And it just speaks to the mission field, right? Like the, yeah. when, when you're on, when you're on mission, things often aren't so clear cut and, you know, well-organized, you've, you've got to deal with different situations. You got to be creative. 
Well, and, and that's a good point. I don't think this should necessarily become progr- programmatic or formulaic for church plants. Oh, if you do this, it's good to loan an elder. But in this case, it clearly is advantageous in part because you have an individual like John Siebinga who has the qualifications and the experience and the knowledge. And so it's a wise thing to do. But yeah, I would I would come up short of saying, this is what ought to be done in these yeah, scenarios. For sure. It seems in a lot of way what they're doing is they're 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 following the Lord's providential lead. So in this particular context, they are like, oh, we've got a retired couple who wants to help out. And so God has providence has given them and they're here for two weeks here. So let's let's take what God has providence has given us in this situation and see whether we can we can use that. So yeah, you're right. It's not like, oh, we're starting a new church. Let's get an elder on loan. But if you do have somebody that would suit that, you know, that's a yeah. possibility. And that ties into something else uh, I want to point out that John said that I thought was really, really sage. And that's that we have to be careful sometimes in crafting uh, vision statements and, and mission plans that we don't box ourselves into a corner. And and John talked a little bit about, you know, awareness and sensitivity to the leading of the Lord. Where is the Lord leading. And and if you're sensitive to that, then you might see doors open for possibilities that you wouldn't see otherwise. John himself is an example of that. But I think that this rule applies in other areas as well. You may envision your church being one kind of church, and yet the Lord may be leading you in an entirely different direction. And do you discern that? And, you know, do you, do you get on board? I think is the language that he used. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. And and in my brain, anyways, it sort of ties into his comment about uh, you need to have local elders and not just be ruled from afar because they're not aware of what's going on in the local context. And that's, you know, that that's true in terms of do you have people that understand the local context, which is where your travel log comment was coming from? You know, do you have other people that understand what's going on on the ground? But also, do you have people that are working together and are following the Lord together? And that, you know, the the nuances and the changes and, you know, in the path that they're following, you need, you need local people, you need people on the ground that are, that are able to do that. Do you know, locally, we have Streetlight Christian Church, of course, and until recently, Streetlight was under the supervision of elder, of uh, the elders in Ancaster, I should say. And Streetlight did something unique with the, the permission of the Ancaster consistory, and that is they, they didn't ordain men, but they kind of recognized certain men in the streetlight community as small e elders, almost like apprentices where they, they weren't ordained to be elders, but they were doing the work of elders to some degree, not all of it, but doing some pastoral visitation, bit of a training ground. And that too is kind of innovative and unique. I don't know of any other church that's doing it, but you're working kind of with what you have to minister effectively. Well, hey, let's leave it there. I hope that this has uh, been encouraging for our listeners as you as you make the, the mission of Jesus Christ, your own passion, your church's mission, go out and think creatively for the kingdom of God. 